What a fabulous show. Just fabulous. It's going to be fabulous all day. Hey, it's me, Harlan Williams, here. You are on the Harlan Highway. And uh, great show today, but I say that every day. Um, wunderbar show. Great, wunderbar, fabulous show. Uh, today... We are going to be taking your phone messages. Not all of them, but a lot of them. People who call in to the uh, Harland hotline here at the highway, 323-739-4330. We're going to be getting to some of your phone messages today. Um, We're going to be talking about a strange screw-up that happened uh, from Amazon. Some guy ordered uh, something and got something completely different. Pretty wild. And then uh, lastly, uh, I hate, I hate this guy. Crinky McCringles, the leprechaun, is dropping by. And this guy, he's like Timmy the Campfire Kid and Cinnamon Boy all rolled into one. He's probably more irritating than those guys put together. So uh, sit back, put your curly tip leprechaun boots on, and let's get ready to rock and roll right down the Harland Highway. Welcome to the Harland Highway. All right, let's get this sucker going, huh? You are causing a major disturbance on my time. It's the Harland Highway. What's up, brah? If I'm here and you're here, doesn't that make it our time? (laughs) I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Am I hallucinating here? Just what in the hell do you think you're doing? You just made a wrong turn onto the Harland Highway. This is your fucking wake-up call, man. You're riding down the Harland Highway with Harland Williams. In 30 seconds, you'll be dead. I'll blow this place up and be home in time for cornflakes. Okay, here we go. Here, Here's a little mix-up. Let's start the show off with a, a little mix-up that happened. Uh, how many of you, Y-O-U, have del- uh, ordered things from uh, Amazon? Amazon.com. I think most of us have, I would think, in this day and age. And if you haven't, order something. It's fun, it's quick, it's easy, it comes to your house real quick. Uh, but in this case, a little bit strange. Some guy uh, ordered a uh, a TV, okay? Uh, some guy who lives in Washington, D.C., of all places, he ordered a 39-inch flat screen tv all right um and uh he got to his apartment and uh he saw a box at his apartment and it was kind of small and he thought oh they must have uh, sent me a stand a tv stand for my big flat screen tv and the tv's coming in the next box okay so he uh takes it inside opens his box and what does he find? A black semi-automatic Sig Sauer Sig 716 machine gun. A military-style assault rifle. What the hell? Can you imagine that? You order a TV and you get a, you get an assault rifle. I mean, the only upside to that is you're definitely going to get your TV. 
I mean, when you when you go to return that rifle, it's like, uh, hey, man, uh, give me my TV. Sir, we'll send it to you when it's ready. Oh, my God, it's got a gun. Oh, my God, get him a goddamn TV. It's got a gun. No, wait, you sent me this gun. Oh, Christ, how, here, how, what else do you want? You want money? You want a, you want a, a bigger TV? You want, what can we get you? Anything you want, sir, just put down the gun. No, no, you sent me this gun. Yes, sir, we get it. So that's the only upside, but that's, that's a startling uh, visual image. You know, especially if you're not a gun carrier or a gun owner. A lot of a lot of people, guns are a very foreign thing. You know, a lot of people own guns, but many people have never even handled a gun or, or been up close to a gun. And, you know, when you grow up and you, you live in a gun culture and you see it on TV and in the movies and you hear about the violence and the gangland stuff and the drive-bys... Uh, I don't know if you've ever held a gun, but it's it's a weird feeling. The first time you hold a gun is an odd sensation because it's you're really holding an instrument of death. You know, you you can you can paint it any picture you want. Oh, I go to the target practice, or oh, I'm in a gun club. We we shoot at bottles and whatnot. Yeah, well, the guys who invented guns didn't uh, invent them for shooting at bottles and whatnot, okay? They were they were created to end life. They were created to point at people and point at animals and end their lives. So there's a real stigma to a gun. And so when you hold it in your hand, it's, it's kind of a weird, creepy feeling. It give, you know, it can give you a feeling of... Ooh, wow, I'm not comfortable with this. But then if you've ever shot a gun, it kind of flips the page. And all of a sudden you're like, man, I'm invincible. Oh, man, look at, look at this is like an extension of me. This is, the, this is the power I've always wanted, man. This is the I ain't going to take no more bullshit power I've always wanted, man. Anybody want to mess around with me? Come on, who wants a piece of me? Uh, sir, you're at the firing range. Do you mind? Oh, sorry. Yeah, everyone else has a gun, too. Oh. So this really, this little rant isn't really working. No, sir, everyone could just turn around and shoot the living shit out of you immediately. So it's not, it's not really working. Really not the environment to pull your power trip, sir. Okay, I guess I'll just get back to shooting bottles. Yes, excellent. And your flies down. Oh. Um... So, anyways, uh, it's kind of hilarious that uh, this guy ordered such a common product, you know, an everyday household product like a flat-screen TV and gets a a weapon of death instead. Um, The guy said, he goes, uh, goes, I was confused as to how that kind of mix-up could happen. It surprised me to see how easy it would be for a gun to show up on someone's doorstep. Not just a gun, but an assault weapon. Yeah, I guess that is kind of when you think about it, right? Hey, man, I'm gonna, uh, you know, I'm gonna order some from Amazon. Oh, what are you getting? The new Harry Potter book, uh, some shoes, maybe uh, a new fishing rod. No, I'm gonna get an Uzi. Excuse me, Uzi. Excuse me, an Uzi machine gun, man. 
It'll be here tomorrow. It's like a twenty-four hour ship. What you want you in the mood for killing or No, I'm I'm gonna go. I got a new fishing rod coming. I'm gonna go fishing. Well, I could come with you and shoot your fish, dude. If you can wait till tomorrow, man. No, I'm good. Okay, well if I had my gun now, I'd make you go with me. Yeah, well you don't have it yet. Yeah, but tomorrow, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna start ordering you around. I gotta go. Okay, your fly's down. Uh, So there you go, man. Funny story, I thought. And, uh, you know, if you have any stories like that you want to share, if uh, if you received something wonky in the mail, you can share with, uh, with us here at the Harland Highway, 323-739-4330. Or you can write me at Harland Highway. No, at Harland, uh, harlandwilliams.com. Yeah, that's it. And speaking of phone calls, why don't we uh, why don't we jump in and take a couple right effing now? Yeah, okay, man. Your fly's down. Oh, ow. I just want a TV. I just want to watch. I just want to watch my soap operas. Ah! Hey, Harland, I just listened to your episode about the uh, female lounge singer recording the heavy metal songs, and I just got one thing to say, and that's... Has he lost his mind? Is he deaf or is he blind? He was turned to steel in a big old magnetic field. Iron Man lives again! Oh, God. (laughs) All right, not only can girls not sing heavy metal songs, I talked about how, uh, how you know, these Taylor Swift types are remaking classics like Sweet Child of Mine and turning them into coffeehouse lounge songs. Well, now, because of this caller, guys are forbidden to take heavy metal songs like Black Sabbath's Iron Man and redo them with an effeminate twist on the end, okay? Just ain't gonna happen. Iron Man lives again! Hey, Harlan. This is Dean. Uh, love your podcast. Do not enjoy when you start talking about religion, the very rare times that you do, but uh, I just wanted to let you know that uh, I actually agree with you this time. And uh, that whole story about Jesus dying on the cross to save our sins uh, has never made a lick of sense to me, even from the time I was four years old and some adult told me that for the first time. I was like, what? How does that work? So anyway, keep up the good work. Love you. And, uh, and, uh, whatever. Okay, take care. Yeah, you're right. I don't talk about religion a lot, and I get it. it, it religion is like politics. Y- you're always going to have people that are so impassioned on one side or the other. And so you, you never win when you talk about these topics, religion or, or politics. But uh, the thing is, I bring them up. I, I tell you my feelings. And even if you don't agree with it, hopefully it's provocative. Maybe it... Uh, gives you a little food for thought maybe it sways your opinion maybe it uh it reinforces the opinion you already held but it's kind of fun 
And uh, we, I was talking about how, how Jesus uh, gave up his son for our sins and how it just seemed a little drastic. And now getting this phone call, it, it made me think even more. It's like, wait a minute. You know, give, giving up his his son, uh, you know, I think he they used the term sacrificed his son for our sins. But I don't know. Sacrifice, hanging a guy up on a cross. I mean, is there a blurry line between sacrifice and, and murder or killing? Maybe murder is too hard of a word, but killing? I mean, if you sacrifice somebody... Aren't you kind of sentencing them to their to their death? Are, are you not responsible for their death? And then I got to go, well, wait a minute. Wasn't one of God's Ten Commandments that he etched in stone, thou shalt not kill? Where does the word sacrifice fit in? If I, if I sacrifice my, uh, my best buddy or sacrifice my brother or sister with an Uzi, Oh no, it's not murder. I, that was a sacrifice. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I won't be doing jail time for that. That's a good old sacrifice. Yeah. Uh so it's it's interesting. Thou shalt not kill, but thou shalt sacrifice thy own son for thy sins. It gets a little muddy in the water there. I'm glad you enjoyed the uh, topic, the conversation, and. Uh, you know, even though uh, Jesus may be dead... Iron Man lives again! Whatever. Hey, Harlan. Uh, I doubt this will go on your show, because I just want to know if you're ever going to play any more venues or uh, shows or gigs or whatever you can mean to call them, because I haven't seen you for a long time, and I think you're very funny. So fucking come back to San Jose and tell me if you're doing shows or something. Although I don't listen to your show, so I don't hear the fucking answer. But, hey, be funny. Huh? What the heck? What the? That was kind of bizarre. That, that was like a non-entity, that thing. Here's a guy calling me who doesn't listen to my show, but yet he's calling me, asking me for information about future upcoming events, but doesn't listen to the show. Although I don't listen to your show, so I don't hear the fucking answer but okay well here's the answer that you'll never hear uh yeah i do tons of shows i think i kind of tell you guys at the end of every podcast if you want to see me live go to my website harlowilliams.com click on the stand-up comedy schedule and you can see where i'm gonna be i also plug my shows uh every time i'm coming to your town or city i plug it about two three weeks out and uh, had you been listening to the show, buddy, and I know you don't listen to it, um, you would have known that I was in San Diego just in the springtime at the American Comedy Co., a great comedy club right downtown in the Gaslight District. So uh, here's what you got to do, buddy. Go to my uh, website, harlanwilliams.com, click on my stand-up comedy schedule. You'll see where I'm at. And uh, I guess I won't see you at one of my shows soon because you didn't hear this and you won't be at my show. Wow, whatever. Whatever. Hey, Nick from Canada here. I just checked my pantry, found some lysergic acid after listening to your podcast. I don't know where the fuck I'm at. 
all I can think about is turkey legs spinning on the wall, and they spin me right round. Harlan, you spin me right round, man. You're like the glue after 50 years of apartheid. Keep fighting in the free world, Mr. Peace and Chicken Grease. Keep writing those dick jokes. What can I say? Look, when I, when someone's right, they're right, okay? You know, come on. I barely have anything to say to that, except I do. I, I spin people around like a turkey leg on a wall, okay? Um, thank you for somebody finally saying it out loud. God bless you, um, Thanksgiving stuffing angel. Whatever. Hey, Harlan, this is Terry. Is it true that you were considered for the part of Harry and Dumb and Dumber? Could you talk about that a little bit? Thanks a lot. Yes, I guess I could talk about that a little bit. Uh, Terry, let's Terry, let's talk about Harry. Um, I think I've mentioned this before somewhere uh, over the years doing the podcast, but um, yeah, the the uh, the Dumb and Dumber movie um, when it first went out for casting, uh, I was uh, right up there uh, in the uh, contention for uh, the co-lead with Jim Carrey. I think, uh, uh, obviously, Jeff Daniels uh, went on to get that role, and um, I guess that's Harry you're talking about. I think Jim Jim's name was Lloyd Christmas or something. It's been a long time since I've seen the movie, so... Um, yeah, the process went like this. Uh, I went in for the first time to meet with the Farrelly brothers. I was a new kid in town in Hollywood. I'd never uh, uh, re- never done a movie. I'd never shot a movie before. Didn't really know how the auditioning process worked. So when I went in to do uh, my reading, the, you know, my agent said, yeah, you're going to see uh, the directors of this new movie, Dumb and Dumber. And when I said going to see, not being experienced in the acting game, I just thought they wanted to do a sit down and meet and greet and shoot the breeze. So I walk in, I sit down, Peter and Bobby Farrelly are sitting there and and uh, we do our, you know, the little uh, hellos, how are yous, that type of thing. And then it just kind of goes silent and... Uh, and then Peter Farrelly goes, uh, so, do you, do you have your script? And I look at him, and all seriousness, I go, what What script? And he goes, the script for, for the movie. I go, I didn't bring a script. He goes, well, you're, you're going to audition. You should have your script. And I go, oh, I didn't know we were, like, we were, like, reading and auditioning and stuff. And I swear to God, he looked at his brother Bobby, and he just goes, uh, "This is our guy. This is our this is our other guy." Because he thought I was so dumb, <laughs> and I guess I was dumb. I was naive. I'd never, like I said, I'd never done this before, and I just I was it was so real. I couldn't have acted any more dumb because it was real. <laughs> and so these guys are these guys loved me immediately. They thought I was an idiot. And, uh, and so, uh, it was kind of a weird, uh, a weird, uh, process and, uh, I, I'm going to try and recount everything as accurately as I can. But, uh, what happened is, um, I was this new kid in town. Jim Carrey was still kind of just the funny guy on in living color. He hadn't blown up yet. And so I don't think they were that worried about having like a big star 
next to Jim. I think they were like, ah, this is Jim's movie. He'll carry it. So uh, from what I could tell from the Farrelly brothers and my agents at the time is that I was right in there. I was actually their choice for a beat, for a minute. I was their choice. And uh, and uh, and then the uh, Dumb and Dumber movie got stalled a little bit because uh, from what I remember, Jim Carrey and I had the same manager at the time. And uh, I remember my manager telling me that uh, they, they wanted to offer uh, Jim three hundred grand to be the star of Dumb and Dumber. And uh, and and my manager, he's a very savvy guy, very uh, smart manager. He turned them down. They said no to three hundred uh, grand. And so uh, and so um, the guys making the movie, I think it was New Line or some other company, American movie company or something like that. Uh, they said, okay, well then forget it. And I think the movie kind of went on hold for a little bit. And um, and then all of a sudden, in between that time, Ace Ventura came out. And all of a sudden, boom, Jim went from being the funny guy on a little late-night TV show to suddenly here's a guy that could command the box office and make big dollars. In essence, he became a star. And so what happened is all of a sudden they said, all right, we want Jim back for Dumb and Dumber. Um. And uh, and what happened is instead of the three hundred grand, um, they had asked for a million bucks, a million bucks uh, for Jim to be the star of Dumb and Dumber during the first round. But then they said no, as I told you. So now they wanted Jim back because he was box office heat. And they said, all right, we'll pay you the million bucks. And my manager, again, being a savvy guy, said, no, now we want five million. And they ended up paying him five million bucks, and that that kind of started the whole thing in Hollywood, where uh, big stars were jumping up to the five million mark. Up until then, it was like a million for a movie was like really big, or two million. But but uh, my manager at the time and Jim Carrey kind of kicked off that whole five million a movie, and then it just kept climbing up to ten and fifteen and twenty, and got crazy. And now it's kind of leveled off again. So the landscape changed at that point. Uh, what happened is um, all of a sudden they had a star on their hands, and I think they wanted to up the ante for Dumb and Dumber. All of a sudden, you know, they wanted to see bigger, uh, more polished people, and obviously uh, people that probably wouldn't even look at Dumb and Dumber months ago were now going, oh, here's this new fresh comedian. He's hot. His name's Jim Carrey. I want some of the heat. So now big names were starting to audition. And through the auditioning process, they kept me in it. They had me go and read with Jim a couple of times. You know, we, we went to a little theater, and we, me and Jim read together on stage. And, and uh, they kept me in the loop. I guess they couldn't shake how stupid I was, right? So they're like, look, let's, let's audition these big names, but let's just keep that dumb guy in our back pocket. <laughs> So that's what they did, and uh, and then they got right down to the wire, and I was still in the mix. And I remember, I think it was the last day of auditionings uh, of auditions. It was me and Jeff Daniels were the last two guys, as far as I know, that were sitting out in the lobby. We were sitting together, me and Jeff Daniels, and they were 
we were going in and out. They were testing me and Jim, me and uh, Jeff were, were going in and out of this uh, little theater to read with Jim Carrey. And uh, here I am, a guy who had never, uh, never done a movie, never uh, worked with big actors, you know, and I'm, I'm a new kid in town. And I'm sitting beside Jeff Daniels, an Oscar-nominated actor who's done like 90 movies. And I kind of figured, you know, the writing was on the wall. I'm not, even though I'm an idiot, I'm not a dummy. And I kind of, I, I didn't let Jeff intimidate me. I went in and did my thing. I gave it my all, but I kind of, I kind of had an idea that, you know, the new inexperienced kid up against Jeff Daniels probably wasn't going to get the gig. And, and that's how it turned out. But I guess the guys liked me so much at the end, they said, hey, man, you know, we can't give you the, the lead part with Jim, but would you like to do this part? Would you like to play the motorcycle cop? And I said, you bet your sweet ass I would. Um, and uh, and that's how it led to me being in the movie. And, and yes, I, I think, I don't want to be presumptuous, but according to all the events that happened, I, I would say that I was uh, very much in the running to play Harry, Terry. So I hope that answers your question. Uh, and a uh, good question it is. And... Um, and we'll leave it there. Let's get to our next and final caller here on the Harland Highway uh, Message Center. Whatever. Hey, Harland. This is uh, this is Tim from New York. And I was recently over in Ireland up on a family trip. And uh, there was a lot of us over there, so we had this house just out in the Irish countryside. And I remember that... Uh, I woke up in the morning one day, bright and early, and I was out in the fields and stuff with my um, um, cup of coffee, just uh, looking over the rolling hills and at all the cows that were out there grazing in the pasture. And uh, I, I, just as the sun was, was beginning to break across the, the horizon, there was a single thought that, uh, that entered my mind. And... Uh, it was, you're going down, think you want to drown. So I would like to say thank you for brainwashing me on my vacation to Ireland. Uh, uh, keep up the good work and talk to you later. Oh, boy. Okay, no problem. You're welcome. Look, I I did a uh, an experiment with you guys uh, a couple of months ago. I did a podcast where I warned you right at the beginning I was going to brainwash you. And what I did is I played a little clip, a little ditty from a song, and I told you that at some point, whether it be hours away, days away, months away, you would hum or sing this little ditty to yourself. Because I played it all through the, the the podcast, I peppered it through, and I basically brainwashed you. I put I put it into your head. So here's this guy sitting in the middle of uh, Ireland, you know, watching the sunrise, and uh, the brainwashing kicked in. I told you it could happen anywhere, anytime. And here's what he started humming slash singing. Which is a lot different than how you actually sung it. Um, You're going down. Think you want to drown. It's more like... Getting down. 
But you were more like, you know, you're all around it type of thing, which was good. The, the main thing is the brainwashing worked, wouldn't you say? I, I, Excuse me? And, uh, I, I, okay, well, one more time, just uh, so we're, we're clear that you're brainwashed. Down, so deep there you go. The brainwashing continues. And that's the end of our phone calls. Thank you, everybody, so much. And as for my last caller, uh, you know, sitting out in the uh, the uh, emerald fields of Ireland, uh, he should be happy that uh, being brainwashed with that song was the only thing that happened to him. Because, uh, you know, it could have been worse. You could have been sitting in that Irish field with your coffee, watching the mists fade off the uh, horizon, and all of a sudden that idiot, that that leprechaun, Crinky McCringle, shows up, and uh, all of a sudden... What? Hi, my name's Crinky McCringle, shimmery timbers, clarkty-darkty, clarkty-darkty, clarkty-darkty. Yes, yes. I know who you are. Thank you very much. Shiver me tim Stop with the shiver me timbers. Shklorky darky. And stop with the shklorky florky stuff. Can you just have a normal conversation? What are you doing here? Well, I heard you mention me name, so I thought I'd best drop by and say howdy doody. What are you, what are you talking about? Well, I thought I'd come by and give you an old Irish greeting, don't you know? Shiverdy-crackledy-crinkledy-flunkledy. What are you talking about, an Irish greeting? Well, if you're going to be sitting in my fields, drinking coffee and watching the Irish mist rise over the horizon, I thought I should drop by and say, Howdly-do, howdly-dee, shiver-me-timber-shriveldy-dee. What the hell was that? That's how we greet each other. When we're leprechauns. Well, I'm not a leprechaun. None of my listeners are leprechauns. So drop the goofy message. Howdly do, howdly dee, shiver me timber, shivelly day. Stop it! Can you not just say hello? I just did. That was not a hello. That was like, like a charm or something stupid. I just said hello to you, you stupid bastard, yeah. Don't call me names, Crinky. Just say hello and quickly say goodbye. Get out of here. Howdy do, howdy dee, shiver me timber, shivelly dee. No. Just say hello. That's not how leprechauns do their greetings. Shiver me timbers, clerky dark, shivelly gork, flirty darky, shivelly. Stop it! Clerky darky, flip. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Clerky darky, flirky darky. Stop it! Say goodbye. Howdy do, howdy dee, shiver me timbers, shivelly dee. Stop that! That was not goodbye. That was your hello. So now you're acknowledging that's my hello. Okay, you win. Now say goodbye, leprechaun style. Well, it would be my pleasure. No, it would be my pleasure. Goodbye, Crinky. Fuck you, you stupid son of a fuck. Shiver me, Clarky. Sclarky darky. Should have seen that one coming. Well, you asked for my traditional Irish goodbye. Get out of here. So long, 
you stupid fuck. Get out! God. I'm not even going to say anything, man. I'm just going to let let it go. Please go away. Uh, that's it. That's our show. God, what a way to end with that moron. Uh, hope you had a good time. Tell your friends about the Harland Highway. Get them on board for the the goofiness. And uh, don't forget, as uh, as I said, if you want to phone in and leave a message, uh, you are totally entitled to do that. 323-739-4330. And maybe you'll end up on the show. Um, who knows? Who knows if you want to be? I mean, why, ooh, why would you... Why would you want to lose friends and family when they find out you've been on the Harlan Highway? Yuck. Or maybe that's exactly what you want. Hmm, interesting. Uh, check out harlanwilliams.com um, and uh, check out the store there where you can uh, pick up stuff, find out, uh, find out my stand-up comedy schedule, although I won't be doing many gigs for a while because I'm, uh, I'm starting to shoot this sitcom. And the sitcom's going to go right through into January. Um, But uh, if you're up in the Vancouver area, I will be dropping in a lot to a comedy club called The Mix, which is right downtown. I will be dropping in unannounced to do a lot of guest spots, working on new material and, you know, keeping the chops. So uh, watch out for that. Don't forget the Harland app for your cell phone. It's a free app. And it's got all kinds of these nutty characters on there. Uh, you can get it at harlandapp.com or at uh, iTunes, uh, the uh, App Store. Um, so check that out. Um, uh, what else? What else can I tell you? You know, I, I'm going to keep mentioning this because I'm excited about it. My brand new comedy special will be coming out uh, January 15th. It's called Harlan Williams, A Force of Nature. Unlike any special you've ever seen, I'm going to get into it more as we get deeper into the fall here, but I am jazzed about this one. Um, and uh, that's it, man. That's it. I hope you're doing great. Thanks for uh, coming along for the ride. We'll catch you on the next one. And uh, until that time, everybody, you know the drill. Chicken chow mein, baby. Whatever. <laughs>